When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Slightly favours the right footer here, but Griffiths, having got the goal, goes again! Quick by the tries it don't know, long we over, oh, what a goal! What a goal! Fletcher! It's Lucius McCulloch, saved it in! Barry Ferguson! Does this again, and it's there! Hartley and Weir comes up, Jets The Euros start a week today and Scotland have warmed up for it with a 2-2 draw against Netherlands in Portugal. A really encouraging performance, almost gave us a win until Memphis Depay thumped home quite a soft free kick in the last few minutes. But it hasn't dampened spirits among the Tartan army. If anything, they're burning brighter after Jack Hendry and Kevin Nisbet scored their first goals for the national team. I'm Andy Barge and with me is Scottish Football Supporters Association writer Ben Ramage and the SFA's Media and Communications Officer and my good friend, Lewis Irons. Welcome, guys. A good performance last night. Ben, what pleased you about it? Uh, for me, what I thought the most was about the resilience that we showed because I think having lost so many players, you know, it would have been easy for that group to have you know, capitulated against such a, a strong opposition. But to me, that says that all of the players, they know this system. They know this formation that Clark has drilled into them. And even when players are dropping out, the boys that are coming in know exactly what's required of them. And they all showed up. I thought, you know, there were so many really good performances, some good debuts, Nisbet getting his first goal. There were so many positives when I was I was a bit worried heading into it with all the players dropping out. Do you think, Lewis, that it might be a fairly good thing that, Holland equalised late on to temper expectations slightly. I was almost going to say that. Um, in a weird way, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. Listen, I'm sure Steve Clark and the players will obviously be gutted to to be snatched away from victory like that. But um, and I think for supporters and for a wider you know opinion going into such a big tournament, it's probably not a bad thing to maybe have that wee reality check right at the death. Uh, it was a soft free kick, as you say, so it's a sore one, but that doesn't take away from anything that uh, we saw last night. I think there's so many positives. Um, what Ben touched on there is, is great. And I think just the way that we've seen some new faces come in, the likes of Turnbull, of course, come into that and, and just settle straight away. That's a hugely encouraging sign about how how comfortable the players look settling into this system that Clark's uh, growing with and confidence with each passing match. So, yeah, probably not a bad thing that the expectations were calmed, shall we say. You've both seen David Turnbull at close quarters. Lewis, you worked at Motherwell for a few years before moving to the SFA. And Ben, you covered Motherwell for the Wisher Press before you moved on to the, the Daily Paisley newspaper. Um, were you both well, satisfied but also unsurprised by last night's performance from David? Yeah, I think he's just so confident on the ball. And he's always looked like that, even when he came through. You know, And it didn't matter who was playing against Celtic Rangers he just has that confidence on the ball and he has the ability to back it up. And you look at the players he was up against, you know, Frankie de Jong in the uh, opposition midfield, and he didn't look phased at all. I know he was maybe 
I think a little bit of fault for one of the goals, but I was I was so impressed by him, you know, to do that at that age on his debut. I know it's a friendly, but I thought he showed great confidence. So close with that left footer as well that just curled around the bar. I thought that was in when he hit it. Um, I think it was a, a really good first showing from him. Yeah. Lewis, you've been we talking got- about him for quite a long time. Uh, and I think that if he hadn't suffered that, that or needed to go through the rehab, his debut might well have come a lot sooner than this. Yeah, um, I've been a huge fan of him for so long and it's clear to see why. Like anyone that saw him, like it was clear from, from early, early on. Like when I worked at Motherwell, I remember the guys at the academy raving about him when he was like a young, young lad. And then I got, I was lucky enough to see him regularly for the under-20s at the time. And it's weird, he still plays on, like he's playing an under-20s level at times for me. It's <laughs> mental. Like, under-20s football was always at a different pace, but he just played it at his own pace and he's still, it's like he's not had to increase his intensity or change his style. He's just stepped up the levels and still played the way he plays. And it's it's just down to his natural ability with the ball, isn't it? He's so good with the ball, his feet, his vision, his execution. It's it's incredible to watch. And I just, yeah, the, I look forward to seeing the heights he reaches, to be honest, because he's some player. Nisbet scored the, well, the second goal, I was about to say the winning goal, I wish. Um, <laughs> and it was very nice as well to see Andy Robertson getting into the final third and putting one across for him because, and I'm not going to go in too hard on Robertson here, but I've been vocal in the past that I feel like he doesn't do that enough for Scotland. And a Scotland fan that uh, follows us, the, the hand and on Twitter, Blair Kaler, actually was last night saying that that's only second assist for Scotland, which is quite mental, Ben, considering he does it on almost a bi-weekly basis down in Liverpool. Yeah, we've, we've always probably been a little bit harsh on him and we have a tendency to do that for the players. You know, Fletcher had it as well at Man United. I think when you play for that that size of club and you put in the performances that you do, they're kind of held to a higher standard. But you saw last night, and I'm really hoping that the Euros is really where he's going to show it, is that this is, you know, as captain, I really want him to drive the team forward. And he showed that, you know, that was deep in the second half of a friendly and he was driving. I think on sports team they had it, it was something like 100 metres that he bombed on and then he picked the perfect pass as well, which just showed the class that he has. Um, you know, Nisbet, we've, the jury's been out on him a little bit for us, but, you know, what more could you ask for him? He'd just come on and he, he put that away so calmly. You know, you can ask previous strikers that never scored how hard it is to score in international football, but he slotted that, you know, like it was nothing. And that is really good confidence builder for him going forward. I'm strong now. Feeding Christie. Andy Robertson making up terrific ground. Sent a lovely cross in two. And Kevin Nisbet is there. Having just come on, he puts Scotland ahead. And that is a goal that will mean so much to him and his family. Oh, well, what an impact. Yeah, it was only, what, six yards out, but it was quite a difficult finish to take. It bounced up about two yards before him. He had to adjust the height of his foot. Uh, and keep it down, and it was, a, it was a really good finish as well as the positioning that he, he, he made to get there. And Lewis, he's, he's, I don't know how much time you spent around this, but you're obviously not in away with the camp at the moment, but you would have been in the camp in March. He seems like a really confident guy. He said after the game last night that he's there to try and get in the team. He's not there just to make up the numbers. He told Clark, trust me, play me, and I'll score. He's He's been true to his word. He's a, he's a confident guy and a really like almost calm, quite shy way. Like he's not like hugely vocal around the place. He will not command everyone's attention, but he's got an inner confidence that just kind of, you can you can sense off of him when you're around him. 
Um, and he, and you know, he's, he, what he says, he backs it up, and uh, and comp, I mean, strikers just, of course, in that first goal for him, you hope is, is a bit of a springboard. And I think not only good for him, but I think that's good for the other strikers up there to see him pushing for a place as well. Lyndon Dykes and, and Shea Adams will be watching, and that will probably give them an extra element to the game as well, having a another striker around it playing like that and taking his chances like that because it was some finish, but. He's a he's a quietly confident guy that that deserves everything that's coming his ways. Um, yeah, he's, I'm delighted for him. I felt really heartwarmed as well because he's spoken previously um, that it was his dream to play for Scotland and score for Scotland, and he used to discuss that with his dad, who obviously sadly passed away at the end of last year. And it, it's upsetting that he'll never be able to sit down and have that chat with his dad, but also at the same time, deep down knowing that he's fulfilled a lifelong achievement that he can make his dad proud with. It's just really comforting, I think, to, to know that he's reached that milestone. Yeah, and it'll be something that drives him so much as well. Um, and he speaks about that quite regularly, doesn't he? And it's really heartwarming, but I'm sure for him, it gives him that extra yard on the pitch, if you like, knowing that he's playing for his dad. It's, um, it's a heartwarming story, isn't it? Yeah. Um, now, we're big fans of Stuart Armstrong in this podcast. Yeah. Uh, myself, certainly. Ben, you've sung his praises previously. Lewis, I know you like him. Um, big fan of him on and off the the pitch. Now, yeah. I do agree that he's probably owed Scotland a top performance. Um, he's a very easy on the eye player that just kind of cruises around the midfield, drives Scotland on. Um, but I don't remember him recently anyway grabbing a game by the scruff of the neck and and making it his. That the first time I remember him doing it was his debut against Slovenia when Strachan was the manager. We won one 0 at hand, and that was a, an amazing debut. I think Strachan actually said it was the best Scotland debut he'd ever seen at that point. I thought that he looked more like his usual self for Scotland last night, Stuart Armstrong, Ben. Yeah, I think he's I think he's got the bit between his teeth and it's understandable because you've got three games of the Euros coming up and we know that Scotland players don't get the chance to play in these games very often. So what more incentive do you need to put in the performance? So that was almost like an audition for him, obviously, with the, with the midfielders that we're missing. There's maybe a, a place up for grabs in that three-man midfield and... You could tell that he was desperate to impress. I thought he showed his class on the ball. He's always had the ability to kind of drift past players. And there was a few last night where he was going past two or three. You know, we don't have a lot of players that have that natural ability, uh, that technical ability. So, yeah, I I thought he did himself no harm, you know, going into the the opener. He's he's maybe got an outside shout. Lewis, would you like to see Armstrong, um, maybe not start, but certainly feature uh, in most of the games when we need him? Yeah, I'm a bit. I do love watching him. He's he's and it's such an easy player on the eye. He's technically brilliant, but it's his drive and, and what what he can do in there really take the game by the scruff of the neck. And I thought I don't know about you guys, but for me, I think he's maybe the best player on the pitch last night for us. Um, I just I just thought he was terrific, and like you say, it's probably a performance that has been coming for a while, and he's timed it perfectly. So I think. It's so hard. Like I don't envy the job Steve Clark's got to actually pick this team now. But what a position we're in that we've got these headaches. Um, it's, it's, it's obviously great to, to have these options, but um, for me, I, I don't think he's, he's far off of being in contention now when you, you look at how he played last night. Lewis, I won't stick you in a sticky position with this one, so Ben, I'll come to you. <laughs> how stable or unstable is Callum McGregor's position in the team? I'm not going to say that he was bad last night. I, I don't think that the game really passed him by, but I'm just wondering, is there enough competition for his place now that he is not a guaranteed starter in the holding midfield role, probably with Scott McTominay alongside him. Yeah, I'm not sure anyone's a guaranteed starter now. 
Um, I I honestly thought that was one of McGregor's better performances for Scotland. You know, we talked about the Serbia game when he was phenomenal, and that's the kind of that's the performance that we'd love for him every every time he pulls on the shirt. And hopefully, you know, maybe by the time the Euros comes, that's going to be the case. Uh, but it's it's no secret that he's had a poor season with Celtic. So I thought I thought he was fine last night. I thought he did well, and I I feel like he's one of Clark's favourite sort of players that he can rely on. So I would expect him to to start the first game. But I really want to see a good performance from him in the first game uh, because I wouldn't guarantee him the, the following games if he doesn't. What do we do against Luxembourg then? Do we go full strength and risk injury um, and players maybe not being ready to go? Or do we just play the boys that we probably might need to call on at some point should situations change and adapt throughout the games? Yeah, I think Clark will probably go somewhere in the middle in that, in that respect. like I, I know he'll... He'll, he'll know the importance of not suffering a negative result ahead of, of the tournament starting. So he will go into that thinking we need to build a bit of momentum here. The importance of getting a decent run of fixtures is is massive. Um, so I'm sure he'll, he'll be all out to win the game, obviously, and to put in a good performance and not have any negative thoughts surrounding anything. But at the same time, you can't run the risk of injuring, injuring anyone or picking up knocks that might roll them out. So... We'll probably see a team somewhere in the middle, I would think. There'll be some players that I think need a few minutes that will probably be in contention for starting anyway. Um, but it'll be an interesting one to see how he actually strikes that balance for me. I don't know what you think, Ben, about what sort of team we might see, but I think we'll see something in the middle. Yeah, I think looking at players like Tierney and Robertson, I really want them wrapped in cotton wool now. You know, we know what they can do. We know that they're fit enough. You know, for me, there's not really anything to gain from, from risking them against... Luxembourg I would much rather risk you know a draw say and we have them fit because I think for that opener they're all going to be so up for it you know the main thing is that they're fit and that they're on the pitch so Shea Adams didn't play last night neither did John McGinn Grant Hanley's an arguable starter in defence Stephen O'Donnell is the likely starter Scott McTominay was rested so there's five players that will probably start or will maybe start, likely to start against the Czech Republic, who didn't play at all last night. Is it vitally important that they get fused back in with the squad and get minutes against Luxembourg, even if some of them are our best players and it could be a risk playing them? If John McGinn starts or comes off the bench against Luxembourg and rolls his ankle or something, it, let's not hide from this. It would be a disaster. Even though we've got players that are ready to come in, John McGinn is arguably the first name on the team sheet. It's the nature of football, isn't it? I mean, he could do that in training as well. Um, it's just, you know, anyone's anyone's guess as to what can happen. I'm sure Steve Clark will, will look at it and probably think what's more important here. Like, do I need to give them minutes? And he'll assess and he'll be honest with it and he'll work with his medical staff and, and come to that conclusion. For example, you touched on Tierney and Robertson there, Ben. I, for, I don't think Tierney will play, for example. I just think, you know, he's he's got to a great point of fitness now after recovering from an injury. I don't think there's any point in risking him, given how important he is to, to the system. Probably similar with Robertson. Look how fit he is. The amount of games he's played this season, he's just tireless. So I don't think minutes are important for him. But um, So you might see Taylor obviously get a run out. Um, and, and then McTominay, do you give him minutes? I don't know. Again, coming back from injury, it's so hard. But I think what about, what about Gilmore, Lewis? Love to see him start. I think that would be brilliant, wouldn't it? Um, I, I think it's probably a really realistic chance that he will start. We could see quite a young midfield, couldn't we? Given that, given that Fleck won't be playing either, that takes one other holding midfielder out of the equation. Yeah, I think we could see Gilmore start, to be honest, yeah. I think it'd be a good game for him to start as well. 
Um, I don't, we think he would really fear Luxembourg, you know, the, the games that he's played this season, you know, playing against Liverpool, playing in FA Cup semi-finals. I don't think he's going to be afraid of that Luxembourg midfield. So, and as you say, it's a friendly, is this the perfect chance to give him the opportunity, see what he does, you know, and if it's not working, then sub him off. Never mind, never mind Luxembourg, but I don't think Billy Gilmore would be scared about playing England either. He's just that <laughs> sort of, he's, he's on it, that sort of player, isn't he? He's just such a, he's not, again, he's such a down-to-earth, honest, nice lad, but my God, he's, I think he could play at any level and he's got that belief in himself as well, which is, a, is crucial. So, yeah, I'd love to see him start against Luxembourg. That'd be, that'd be great. Reckon we might see at least four to five minutes of Nathan Patterson against Luxembourg too, Ben? Yeah, I think so. And I think, if you were going to give O'Donnell a half and Patterson a half, I think that would be fine. You know, you get them both a bit of minutes, hopefully not risk either too much. But yeah, we certainly, if Patterson's going to be, if he's going to have any sort of impact in the group stage, we want him to be captain playing before he gets to that point. I don't, I think it'd be t- a bit more of a risk to put him in when he's uncapped. So, you know, give, give him at least 45 minutes, half an hour and uh, get that sort of, that box ticked. Your colleagues have been fair hyping him up, Lewis, putting up goal clips and training on Twitter yeah. from Patterson. <laughs> no, he's, he's, he seems to be settled in really well. Um, I know I, Andy Robertson spoke about the young players and, and obviously had, and his responsibility as captain, just making sure they feel settled. And I don't think he's had to worry about it too much by all accounts. I think they have just went in and they've really put, put their mark in and, and really shown up in training. And yeah, he's impressed with a few goals and yeah, he's, he's, he's really grown in stature as well. Obviously, I've seen him kind of with the under-19s and under-21s at Scotland level as well. And seeing where he is now, it's, it's crazy how quick he's grown. It's, it's funny how quickly things can change in football. Lewis. Nathan Patterson had, had played about six or seven senior games by about February, maybe, before Tavernier's injury. And Ben, I saw an Air United fan tweeting last night that four seasons ago, Nisbet and McKenna were part of one of the worst Air United teams he'd ever seen that get relegated from the Championship and here they are start or one of them scoring and the other one coming off the bench against Holland in the warm-up for the Euros It's brilliant isn't it it's why we love the sport as well because no. you, you know obviously Robertson is the one that always gets talked about you know from Queen's Park to the Champions League and it just shows you know and I think it's great that we have so many Scottish examples of this now as well that maybe weren't there before you know Nisbet scoring against Holland you know a couple of years ago, what odds would you have got on that? But he's, he's done so well and he's battled so hard himself to get there. So we really just want to see these guys shine at the Euros now. I can't, I can't, another one, I can't quite remember the exact date. Um, Liverpool won the Champions League in 2019, was it? Yep. Yep. Uh, 20, against Spurs, yeah. So it was uh, two years ago today, or two, two years ago this season, um, Genie Wijnaldum, scored two goals against Barcelona on the same night that Lyndon Dykes was beaten away to Montrose. Uh, here they are on the same pitch um, in the build-up to the Euros. <laughs> That's brilliant, yeah. isn't it? Love it. Oh. Yeah. So uh, the, the feature of the podcast this week, uh, oh, sorry, just one more thing before we move on. Speaking of tempering expectations, Luxembourg, they were chatting about them on Sportsound last night. We know that they beat Ireland um, in the qualifiers back in March, which was a terrible result and seen as an embarrassment by the Irish. But looking at some of their other recent results, they conceded a last-minute one to Norway last night to lose 1-0. That was Erling Holland with the winner. They kept Portugal at arm's length until the last 10 minutes recently. They only narrowly lost to Serbia 3-2 at the tail end of last year. 
Um, so these guys, yeah. while, while, while a relative minnow nation, it's not San Marino or Gibraltar that we're playing here. I know. And it's, that's part of the reason why the managers like to choose two very different friendly teams to play. Like, you know what you get with a team like Holland and look at how we played, but against Luxembourg, it'll be a completely different type of game. And they're going to be really hard to break down. Um, and they can sting and hurt teams as, as Ireland as Ireland felt, but um, they're not, yeah, they're no slouches. They're not going to be that easy in opposition here. And I think some people might look at them a bit of a snobbery and think that we can brush them aside, but it's going to be a difficult match. And there's a reason that that's why they've been picked for this game. And, and Clark will probably look, look forward to seeing how his team can cope with a different sort of opposition like that. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, they, they have also, it's fair to, to equalise that by saying they have also been beaten by Qatar and Cyprus and Azerbaijan recently, who are no great shakes themselves. But if you do look at the way that they've kept some superior nations um, fairly close to them for the majority of a 90 minutes, it certainly suggests that Scotland aren't going to just flatten this lot tomorrow. It won't be anywhere near as easy as the 4-0 against the Pharaohs back in March, for example. No, I think we've touched on it before as well, that I, there's not really many easy games left at international level. I think all, even the smaller nations have become more professional. They've got better coaches. They've got players that play in almost in professional leagues, majority of them now. So it's not like the old days where you would maybe just steamroller teams that were that much smaller. So, yeah, and we kind of touched on the, the squads. Clark is still going to have to play some of his best players, you would think, to make sure that the job is done. Because as Lewis touched on, if we were to lose, can you just imagine what the media, like what the back pages would look like? You just don't want any of that negativity in the players' heads going into that opener. Do you think that it would absolutely kill all the hope or all the expectation of getting out of the group if Luxembourg were to narrowly nick a 1-0 against us on Sunday? I don't think so. I, I think people are sensible enough to realise that it's a friendly... If he was resting players, you would say, well, then it was nowhere near the strongest strength team that we had. But I just, I fear that there would be a bit of negativity would come into it, especially from the media. And you just don't want that getting into the camp, into the players' heads. You just want them fully focused on those those games in the group stage with, with nothing else lingering over it. Right, OK. Um, now we'll move on to what the feature of the podcast is. So... Ben, Lewis and I, and I put this out to the Hamden Or followers on Twitter earlier, have brought each of our three or three favourite goals for Scotland to the table. And we'll go around in an order, in a circle, and we'll discuss our memories of each goal, where we were, the permutations at the time, why it meant so much to us. Some, I suppose, might be nostalgic, some sentimental, some just for the absolute scenes that erupted afterwards. Um, so, Ben, we'll start with you. Um, number one on your list, you were there for this one. Yeah, so it was the Euro 2016 opener against Germany. Uh, they just won the World Cup. Uh, I was over there with my brother. We were right at the top of the stand in the stadium, which was massive. And it was it was it was kind of at the height of the sort of Strachan hype. You know, this the the, uh, the optimism going into this campaign was massive, even though it was Germany that had just won the World Cup. We seriously thought that we had a chance of beating them, which was just brilliant. And I remember the anthem was like another level. Sometimes sometimes the anthem's all right, but it was just one of those where it was just, you could feel that everyone was singing it as loud as they could to the point where the Germany fans were actually applauding at the end.
and obviously they went ahead, which was tragic. It was, but to be fair, we really fall back in the second half, and then Anya runs through. And I think what made it so special was that it seemed to take forever because there was so he was running onto it for so long, and then you just thought, well, Neuer's in goal, so you just felt like he was going to pull off some worldy save, and he just slotted it past him like he wasn't there. And just the celebrations were just amazing. I remember seeing afterwards there was pictures of Anya and he was almost crying. You could just see how much it meant to him. I think he said as well that he had only ever dreamt of scoring past him on FIFA. So to actually do it in real life was just incredible. So, yeah, that, that for me was just such a special moment. And even though they went on to win it, it still it just gave you that, that memory and that moment that you just I just look back on it often when I think about Scotland goals. If, there's actually not much footage of that goal on YouTube. I, I went to, to look it up earlier and it, there's a, a kind of dodgy, and it's, I think it's a foreign uh, TV channel, and, and it's over in a flash. But when Anya was put through, I can't think of many other players at that time in the Scotland squad that you would have rather had running onto that, A, because of his pace, and he was also a very composed fella, Akechi Anya, with presence of mind in that sort of position, Lewis. Yeah, absolutely. He's the composure was ridiculous, wasn't it? I think when when you hear Ben talking about it there, and like of all the goalkeepers in world football at that point that you don't want charging out at you, it's probably Neuer and anyone anyone else you'd think would. But he just didn't ever phase him. Like the composure was ridiculous, um, and that that spell that Anya had for us was oh, what a player! Mm-hmm. Uh, that cult hero status Anya doesn't he? And it's just. Of all the players to score that, you would have wanted it, yes, to be him on the end of the ball, but also you want it to be him for the player he was and the person he was. Like, just such a special moment for, for everyone. And it's a great it's a great goal to kick off there, Ben. It was a belter. I know that, as you acknowledge, Ben, Germany did equalise five minutes later. Just a spawny, <laughs> scrappy finish from a corner. Thomas Muller slammed it home. But in this trip down memory lane, we're looking at moments in isolation. So if, if, let's pretend that Scotland had scored the first goal uh, against Spain and then been beaten 5-1, then forget about it. It's the, the goal in isolation that we're talking about for, for the moment. Um, so, yeah, and, and Lewis, I think we were together for, for that one. We were at the fan zone that had been kept alive from the, the Commonwealth Games down in the Merchant City, uh, just across from Merchant Square, which was absolutely amazing. The, the, the concrete paved area, just when you're walking down Wilson Street, um, that had been turned into... And a, a massive beer garden, something that I hope the one at Glasgow Green's not too dissimilar to, to be honest. Yeah, they had a massive yeah. screen. Uh, and when it went in, oh my God. Just, <laughs> ben, you're talking about what it was like in that fan zone. I can't imagine what it would have been like in the stadium. And if I've got a funny memory, actually, uh, my friend Mikey, who I go to most of the games with um, at Hamden, we, everyone lost each other in the celebrations in, in the fan zone. It was me, you, Lewis, um, Mikey was there, my old flatmate, Gav, um, uh, Keen was there, a few other other of our mates, um, and we lost Mikey um, in the ensuing celebrations. And then we saw him about five yards away on top of one of the picnic tables, almost kind of like a Ketchyanya with his shirt off, but kind of being held into his face, like he was <laughs> like he was screaming into it, uh, eyes pressed shut uh, as tightly as he possibly could, just roaring into his Scotland jersey that he, he must have ripped it off in about a split second. Uh, it was just. Uh, 
an incredible moment and what, certainly if you were there to witness it Ben one that you, you'll take you'll take with you throughout your life forever I'm sure oh, 100% and also even though we went on to lose it you got confidence from it you know we, we gave them a scare we, we really ran them close and I think it gave us confidence for the rest of that campaign because we showed you know that we could go up against these world class players and almost give them a bloody nose in their own backyard well Lewis I'm, I'm really looking forward to asking you about your first one. It was a very recent one and you were also there for it. Yeah, I mean, what a special night this was for me personally. Um, obviously, a massive game, no fans in the stadium, expectations. Probably, I, I, to be honest, I, because I was so wrapped up in the atmosphere of, of being lucky enough to be around the team and, and out in Serbia, I don't... I don't really know what the expectation was like out with it, but I remember going into that game thinking, yeah, we're doing this. There was a weird calmness around the place and around the, the squad and the manager that I was like, we're actually going to do this, aren't we? Like, we are we are going to qualify. Uh, but then as soon as the, the, the first whistle blew, the inner Scotland fan of me went, nah, nah, we're not. <laughs> Look around you, Lewis. We don't win in places like this. <laughs> Um, and there was obviously no supporters, which just made the whole thing feel bizarre. But then in that moment when, when Christie just opened it up, it felt like it was in slow motion. Even when I watch it back now, it feels like the ball still goes quite slow for me. Uh, but the, the way that he just steered it into that bottom corner and wheeled off away, I'll just never forget just looking up to the heavens at that point, thinking, oh, my God, like this is astonishing and looking at everyone around me like the bench were going nuts obviously and all my colleagues sitting next to me were just like doing the same they were just screaming in different directions at that point Kostic gave it away to Callum McGregor and now Ryan Christie and Christie he's done it step forward Ryan Christie Scotland lead on this day of destiny, they have a tournament in their sights. Whatever it takes from here, Scotland. Um, and so, so sorry, yeah. Lewis, where were you? Were you around the bench at that point, or were yeah, you I down was, at the goal? I was two rows behind the bench, so the, the subs were just in front of me. Kenny McLean was two rows in front of me because I just remember listening to him throughout the match. Some of the things he comes out with is hilarious to listen to. Uh, I'd love how it would be on commentary duties at some point, actually, because he. Yeah, incredible. And we were just kind of, yeah, it was weird. Like, because there was no real noise in the stadium, like, there was kind of chat happening at points throughout the game. Everyone was trying to kind of keep calm. And, uh, yeah, when that goal went in, I think with the rest of the game, everyone was obviously just silent. And we were just, like, everyone was watching on and with huge nerves. And then I was getting ready. I walked down from the stand past the bench and onto the pitch, like, side to go around with two minutes or so to go, getting ready to do all the post-match stuff. Uh, and I was standing behind the goal, getting ready, like obviously shaking when uh, Jovic did what he did. And at that point, that's when I, my head, my everything just went. I, I felt like I was just kind of walking on a cloud at that point. I was like, I can't believe that's been snatched from us. Because um, I think like most people, I thought it's over now. Um, and then, yeah, everything else that followed was quite incredible. But that goal, that moment, yeah, it's special for numerous reasons. I'm just so, so gutted that there were no supporters there. Because how special would that have been if, like, so you guys were in the stand then as well, and we were all out there and could enjoy and cherish that moment. But hopefully there'll be more to come. And you you had prime spot for Marshall's save as well, behind the, the net that, that he was in. 
how, how difficult was it to keep the balance of support and professionalism because you were filming that? Yeah, I was. I was. Um, I wasn't actually supposed to film it because of COVID. Like we had to cut our team size down, so uh, I just ended up doing like numerous jobs. So I was doing my kind of post-match interviews. I was doing my kind of comm stuff, and then I was running about with a camera. Um, and I was. I just decided like you're you're not actually allowed to film the match footage apparently. But I was like, I'm just doing it. I'm just. I don't care <laughs> if you're listening to me. If I don't punish us, um, and I just started filming it and. I don't know how I didn't react. Like when he saved it, I just in my, my head was just like watching everything that was in front of me and I just filmed it all. And I again you're not allowed on the pitch, but I just got around and I just took the camera right onto the pitch, started filming the players, filming Clark, and yeah, it was all just a bit of a haze. And then we all walked up the tunnel and I was just like standing right behind Marshall as everyone was chanting, We'll be coming, walking up that tunnel. And then the, the, the party began. But uh, yeah, it was very, very hard. I don't actually know how I'd done it. If I, I think if I went back and did it again, I'd struggle. Um, <laughs> It was weird. But that, that Christie goal in isolation, did it feel at that point that everything was coming to the fore? Yeah, it did. When he, when he just the, the way that he steered it in and the way the game was going, we were so in control, weren't we? Like, it was it was crazy. Like, I, I didn't expect us to have that sort of performance in the locker. Um, and then as soon as he scored that, I just thought, yeah. Like, Clark had built this confidence, like I touched on, and we also just felt like such a hard team to beat at that point. Um, so when when we went ahead, I was like, "Oh my god, this like it's coming," um, and yeah, the the highs and the lows and the highs and the lows that night it was it was mad. Well, uh, going to go a wee bit further back for for the, for my first one, um, which is Lee McCulloch's goal against Ukraine in the qualifiers for Euro two thousand and eight. Uh, the quality of the goal is one thing, um, but I think what sets it apart for me is that that was the game. In the the tournament, where we we had won two or three games on the bounce uh, against, I think it was Georgia, then the Pharaohs, and then France away, and everyone, I think everyone was thinking, right, when is this gonna, when is this gonna fall apart for us? And Ukraine was the game because they were an absolute class team, uh, been to the quarterfinals of the last World Cup, and I think we were expecting, okay, that this might be where it starts to get away from us, and. Within 10 minutes, I think it was, we were 2-0 up. Uh, Kenny Miller uh, scored a, a lovely near post header. And then this, oh my God, one of the best Scotland goals I've ever seen. The quality of it alone, but combined with the moment, absolutely phenomenal. It worked to perfection. The Barry Ferguson's kind of curling free kick from a central position over to the left side of the box. McCulloch had peeled away from his man and he had an, another slow motion goal, kind of like the, the Christie one uh, and Anya running through it. It seemed to take forever. Um, like it's like when he trapped the ball, it's like he then just stood over it for five seconds, deciding where am I going to put this. But in reality, <laughs> if you watch it back, it happened in the blink of an eye, uh, and it landed perfectly in the top corner. And when he's running away past the north stand, the camera pans out, and the scenes are just glorious. Ferguson, of space here, and time as well. Oh, what a goal! Lee McCulloch doubles Scotland's advantage. Can it get any better? Oh, straight off the training ground. I, I actually wasn't at that game. I'd gone down to visit my family uh, in the Midlands uh, for my brother's birthday because it was the October break. Um, and I remember myself, my dad, my brother, who was only turning seven at that, at that, at that time. He was just a wee boy. And my uncle Charlie, who lives down there with the, um, his married family, so he doesn't get the chance to watch football with the Scots very often. Um, so we prioritised the TV that day. 
And I remember just going absolutely mental, jumping up and down on the sofa, on my uncle's back, we were running around. And it was just the the disbelief combined with the ecstasy that, wow, we are not letting this go. We're 2-0 up against Ukraine after eight minutes. Uh, yeah. And it was a sunny day at Hampton. It was just everything really you want from a Scotland game. Uh, and McFadden topped it off later with that great strike when they were threatening to, to get back into it. I agree. I think it's the fact that it was the second goal as well added something on top of it. It's like yeah. there was an element of, oh my God, what a start when Miller's and the celebrations were mad. But then to, it was a bit of a, oh, like, <laughs> yeah. up. like it was a different type of celebration mixed with how good a goal it was. Yeah. Uh, the composure from McCullough, oh my word, what a goal. Yeah, beauty. Ben, do you remember where you were or watching that one? Yeah, I think I was watching it at home with my brother and my dad. Um, and like you touched on, just it's so rare that we win comfortably. So to be that far ahead that quickly in such a big game, as, as you touched on, this was a really important game in terms of the group. So to actually be 2-0 up and then when Faddy scored the third, you know, it, it doesn't really get much better than that as a Scotland fan. I, I do wish we'd been at Hamden for that one. Oh, it's, yeah. it, it's hard to believe for me that we went from that and Georgia away was only four days later uh, from from one extreme to the other really I, I can't believe how I still can't believe how we transitioned from that start and that performance against Ukraine to to letting it well not even slip through our fingers we chucked it yeah, um, yeah but that, that goal in isolation um, the day in total but that that goal was just absolutely phenomenal and just one of my best memories of watching a Scotland game with my family, but not being at the actual at the actual stadium. Um, I said I would include some listener contributions as well. Alex Johnston has been in the mentions saying that his favourite memory of a Scotland goal is Barry Ferguson's against Italy in that same campaign for qualifying for Euro 2008. That was the 25 minutes to go, roughly, that we had let... Italy ghost in to score an opener. Luca Tony, we fell asleep from the throw-in. And we, we performed really strongly that night. And we more than deserved the goal. It was offside. Bothered. And uh, yeah, that was us. It was one of those moments where we felt, right, this is it. You know, the gif of Michael Scott running around going, it's happening, it's happening. It was like a real-life version of that. Possibly the best goalkeeper on the world between the sticks. McFadden looks, is he in the zone? He takes a deflection, Lee McCulloch against the goalkeeper, it's in! Scoring for the first time at Hampden Park, it's Scotland captain Barry Ferguson! It's his first goal in the dark blue at the home of the Scottish international side and it means so much to everybody all around. Oh, the place is absolutely lit up and it wasn't the best of three kicks but... Scotland kept the pressure on. The second shot was blocked when it came back. You're looking for anybody to get it in there. And there was Barry Ferguson, right place at the right time. And Scotland are right back in it. What a goal. I think maybe it is the best scrappy goal ever for what for one of <laughs> circumstances. McFadden was about 20 yards out with a free kick. Everyone's yeah. thinking, right, go and stick this in the top corner. It's the worst free kick ever. McCulloch, McCulloch then, then misses from about two yards. He puts it straight at Buffon when he's got about two yards either side of him. And Buffon and the wet weather spills it and Ferguson's there to to slam it home really from a couple of yards. And I remember watching that and yeah, the, the scene's thinking, wow, we're going to do this. 
that campaign like you touched on, like there were so many moments. It's actually crazy, isn't it? Uh, I think probably our generation as well, that campaign was the, the kind of, the one that I look back on with the most nostalgia and kind of emotion when I think about it all. Um, but that moment, yeah, scrappy, but my God, we'll take it. Um, and like you say, it just felt at that point like, yeah, another point where it felt like, yep, it's happening. Look, Lewis, I don't know how many strings you can pull here, but the, the goal music for the the Ferguson goal was Proclaimers, and for that campaign was 500 Miles, the da 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 that bit. Well, I, personally, I think the best goal music that Hamden has used in, in our lifetime. But there are a couple of other belters that you could use. Chelsea Daggers, good goal music. Uh, Loch Lomond, I think, has maybe been used once or twice. Why does that not get used anymore? Why do we use worse music? <laughs> Probably the, a marketing decision in many ways, but uh, I can I can put a word in uh, with the powers that be to try and motion it back the way at the glory days. I was astounded when bits and pieces was voted in as the as the goal celebration music over the proclaimers. To be honest, was it, was it voted in? Is that how it came in? I think I think I think they did put it to the public. Ben, am I right in saying that? I was trying to remember that. I'm not 100 percent sure. I feel like there maybe was a vote because I feel like that was maybe how it would get in. And yeah. it might be hard to take it away now. It's not that you you can't really ask the fans and then be like, actually, now we're going to go our own way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think again, I think it is just the, the nostalgia aspect of it as well. Maybe that that really tugs on the heartstrings with that one. Ah, oh, does yeah. When, we, when yeah. you watch these games back, that campaign back, we've done that a few times, a few yeah. years before, and uh, <laughs> it just feels amazing. Yeah, um, and. Yeah, it slipped away from us in the last minute and McFadden missed a good chance with about 15 to play. It just, it never happened. And it was one of those pouring nights at, at Hamden. The atmosphere was electric. It was, it was, it should have been, but it wasn't. How many times have we said that? Um, right, Ben, background to you. Uh, one of your first memories of watching Scotland here. Yeah, and it, for our generation, it would maybe be one of the first ones. So it's, a pretty famous one, Collins' penalty against France, uh, World Cup. Group opener, 98. Uh, millions watching. Collins against Tafferel. Vital for Scotland. And he finds the corner. Tafferel went the right way, but couldn't reach it. I was actually only seven at the time. Uh, and to be fair, I didn't really understand the significance of it. I probably, and I just certainly didn't realise that that was going to be the last time we were at a major tournament for so long. Um, I just remember watching it with my dad and my brother and they were so invested in it. And as a, as a seven-year-old, I didn't really get why they were so excited about what was going on. So it was kind of enrapturing. I just felt like, oh, I'm going to go along for this this ride. Um, Brazil obviously scored early. And so they were like, oh, here we go. This this could be any, any number. And... <laughs> It, it, it ended up, obviously, the Collins penalty, it was like my first experience of that moment where you're waiting for the penalty to be hit and you don't know what's going to happen. And I think at that age, I just found that so exciting. And then the fact that he actually scored it. So my dad's like a really calm, he's quite a fairly quiet guy, but his reaction to me just said how much it must mean. And so I just remember bouncing around with my dad and my brother just thinking this is brilliant like this and it was at that point that I really kind of fell for the team that I can sort of trace it right back to that moment so for me that's just like such a special goal and no matter how many times I watch it back I still just love watching it back the way he peels off to celebrate the fans are just going mental the fact that we'd equalized against Brazil at the World Cup that's just like 
it's at such a high level that yeah it's just I still get goosebumps just thinking about it so seven seven years old and you can still recall that pretty pretty clearly then that's that's honestly one of my one of my earliest memories probably full stop but definitely my earliest memory in football and to me that kind of sparked you know I work in football now just you know obsessed with it as we all are and that probably that one ninety minutes and that penalty sparked a hell of a lot of it I don't know about you guys does it make you like you've got memories of it but I don't have memories really obviously my memories of it are just like watching it quite regularly growing up and, and hearing my dad talk about it and stuff but um like, does it not make you gutted that we weren't like the age we are now and we were out there and like in the crowd and, and yeah. having a, a couple of beers and, and with all the fans? Like, imagine that. Like, oh. And now, and now we're back and we can't go. <laughs> I know. That's the, that's the most typical thing I know. ever. Oh, well, well, sorry. Some of us can go, but what I mean is the Tartan Army can't travel in thousands. Yeah. Um, yeah, actually, Ben, I can remember. That game, we would have. I would have been four about to turn five. Lewis, you would have just turned five. That's right, isn't it? No, just about to turn five, something, something like yeah. that. Uh, and I, I can remember my my living room being busy and had my face painted. Yeah. And I remember that's all I can remember. I can't remember any of the goals from the game. Can't remember celebrating. I just remember being in my Scotland kit with face paint. I had a wee see you Jimmy hat on as well. Um, and I remember my living room being packed with family members and my parents' friends. And just getting a sense of occasion, but again, similar to you, not really understanding what was what was going on going on here. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Lewis, we'll move on to your second one. Ben said that there um, are sentimental ties to the John Collins thing because uh, of family reasons. You also have a sentimental reason for choice number two. Yeah, it's um, a goal that I'm assuming a lot of Scotland fans would 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 select and and want to talk about. Um, for me, it's it's the moment. I, like I, I, I used to always watch Scotland games with with my my granddad and my dad, but uh, particularly my granddad, like he was so so passionate about Scotland. My dad, because he was in football, was passionate about Scotland, but he would all, he would be that kind of typically critical way about things as well. And, and my granddad had that different sort of supporters hat on, where he was just passionate about everything. Um, so I'll never forget watching it. Obviously. It's probably something that everyone can guess, but uh, in my living room in Dumfries uh, that night in France uh, when James McFadden produced, for me, up until obviously the Serbia night, the the, the best moment, well, with Lee Griffiths, uh, I've, I've remembered as a Scotland supporter. Brilliantly brought down by McFadden, he's going for goal! James McFadden scores the best goal he's scored for his country! Absolutely sensational! The top corner is tickled with the ball. Scotland have tickled Pink and Palace. It was just—I don't even really need to talk about the goal because we all know it. We all, we've all watched it however many times, and what he did was incredible. But it was that moment where you're just leaping. We all leapt off the sofa together, and we were all just bouncing, like yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like my granddad, I've never seen him look so quick off the mark the way he was screaming and jumping and just grabbing me. And we were all just like looking at each other, like, has that happened? It was again that sort of celebration I've spoken about where it's like there's that element of disbelief to it, like with the McCulloch one, oh my god, two not. But to think, oh my god, like we're actually beating France away here. <laughs> uh, the way that he's done it, um, it was just the, the celebrations were so special, and it, yeah, 
and then you kind of come down for that period of time as you, you try to see the game out and uh, then <laughs> the celebration full time went up again. Yeah. Um, it was just such a special moment that you just yeah it's more about the, it's not it's not just about the football at that point is it and I think that's the, the magic thing about supporting your country mm-hmm. it's often not about the actual game or the, the goal itself it's everything else that you remember around it yeah yeah um, for me it was it was definitely that and I think we could drop uh, opposites here you mentioned earlier Ben that one of the best things about Anya's goal was that he was played through and everyone was holding their breath for two or three seconds while he down on the goal what's better that or something completely out of the blue like McFadden's well that's a tough one because like Lewis says it's just there was an element of magic with McFadden's because you know to see a Scotland player do that against France away and you know it's just incredible so and I I just love McFadden so much I'd probably say McFadden's Um, yeah just an incredible moment and what I loved is that this, like, when you look back at it, there's so many different variations of the commentary, and each <laughs> one is like slightly more mental than the last one. And so you just get to the point where the boy's just like screaming, which is exactly how we all felt at the time. So it was like, oh my God, has he actually just done that? Yeah. Oh, so good. And I'll never forget when I first started working at Motherwell, walking in, and I, like, I was looking forward to like meeting like some of the players, like, um, and, and Mark McGee and stuff, but I knew I was like, Fadden, Fadden's here. The first time you know, I was like, this is this is a mad night because I just held him on such a pedestal. And then, yeah, when when you when you get to know him, he's even better. Like he's what a guy he is. Um, and that goal, yeah, he'll he'll talk about it forever. I'm sure the amount of times he'll get asked about it, but uh, couldn't have happened to a much better guy anyway. What a what a legend. Moving on to my second choice again, an absolutely incredible Hamden moment at Stephen Fletcher putting us 2-1 up against Poland and the race to get to Euro 2016. Well read by Alan Hutton. Richie now. Stephen Fletcher to his right. Stephen Fletcher! That is huge! That is massive! And that is how to keep a dream alive! Isn't this just typical of Scotland? I think what for me what makes this so good is that we went from the despair to the high when when I was about to say Ukraine sorry when Poland went one nil up in about two or three minutes yeah. we were on the floor we were thinking oh my god we're going to blow this again a win tonight and we'll obviously beat Gibraltar in the final game uh, so so we'll be there uh, and when we went one nil up uh, sorry when we went two one up. And we were just waiting on Germany to beat Ireland, uh, to score against Ireland. And, and that would have that would have been it uh, for us. It would have been in our hands with Gibraltar to play in the final game. Um, it was just an, an absolute eruption of... I don't, I don't even think it was relief at, at when Fletcher scored. I, I think it was just overwhelming joy, delight, um, yeah. pride, passion. All of those kind of rolled into to one. Um coming from behind and Richie's equaliser for a start right on the stroke of half time because look we had not played well that game in the first half uh, and Richie scored out of absolutely nowhere the second goal uh, Fletcher's and if you watch it back as well the he, he does really well to get back on side and Archie's run um, and he waits for the pass I think it is Matt Richie running forward and the ball gets slide tackled into his direction um, 
in another slow motion. It, it, when you were there, it feels like it took three or four seconds to loop over the keeper and into the net. But you watch it back, it's, it happens at the click of a finger. Um, and, and that was us. Hamden was absolutely bouncing. Uh, and, and again, that was one of those moments where I thought, this is it. Of course, Germany are going to score and we're going to, we're going to get there. We're going to get to the playoffs, finally. It was, a, it was just an absolutely about- incredible game. Uh, we touched on it about like who scored it as well. I think that's actually important. And with Fletcher's, I was really happy for him because he'd, he'd had so much stick that I felt was a lot of it was unwarranted. He had such a tough time, like trying to impress people for whatever reason. So for him to score that, which what felt like at the time was an absolutely massive goal for Strachan, for him, I just felt like it couldn't have happened to a better person. And obviously it was just such a shame how it ended up playing out. But yeah, that moment, in Hampton, you really had that dare to dream. This is actually going to happen now. Moment. Uh, we we seem celebration as well. The way uh, he wheels away. Yeah. Out. <laughs> right along the north stand again, similar to McCulloch's actually. The, the uh, in fact, can it mirror image goals and then the celebrations? Say, yeah. <laughs> the celebration. Yeah, a fan of a finish, but yeah. they're like opposite sides. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I, there's something about that where the north stand meets the the west stand. Um, yeah. A lot of Famous goals up at that end, actually. And, and that camera angle uh, just does a lot for me. A, a lot for me. Um, and the, yeah, when it kind of pans along towards the north stand as well and Fletcher's running away, just absolutely amazing. I think an Ian Crocker's commentary was something al- along the lines of Stephen Fletcher keeps the dream alive. And that's what it was at that point. We thought it was, we thought it was gone. And then yeah. Matt Ritchie got us back into the game. And then Fletcher, um, well, it should have been in our hands if Germany had kept their end of the bargain. But of course, it's we can't rely on other teams. Um, so, yeah, a, a phenomenal Hamden moment. Um, unfortunately, again, that's that's all it was, rather than counting for anything greater. Um, yeah. There's another Hamden moment here, uh, sent in by one of the listeners, Michael Douglas. I don't think of Catherine Zeta-Jones' fame. Who says... And a bit of... A different shout here, but uh, McManus's late winner against Leeson's thing. <laughs> what a different feeling, but again, yeah. Yeah, and from the, and, and he, he included in his tweet saying, we all went from feeling, why do we bother, to this is the best feeling in the world, and yeah. in the blink of an eye, <laughs> uh, getting ready to leave Hamden with your hands in your pockets, your hood up, trudging out the stadium to to leaving the stadium singing um, because you've scored a last-minute winner. And let's be honest, Ben, because even though it was minnows and they made life hard for us, um, it doesn't matter who you're playing, really. A last-minute winner is always going to be a great memory. I think that game kind of proved that exact point. But to me, it also sort of it avoided any embarrassment because you could just imagine what the headlines... Obviously, it still wasn't deemed as a good performance, but at least it wasn't that you dropped points. You know, so it at least gave you that sense of, okay, we still managed to win. When you look back in the history books, it's still three points. And it was, you know, it summed that up. You know, if you score a late winner, it doesn't matter if it's a final or it's a preseason friendly, it's still, you still enjoy it. And that one did mean, it meant a lot. Yeah. And especially when, when someone comes up from the back to produce a moment like that as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Someone I, coming up and taking the game into their, into their hands. Big <laughs> McMahon, up he goes. My, um, uh, 
Lewis, our friend Mikey, uh, Ben, I'm not sure you might have met Mikey, a guy I mentioned earlier that goes to all the games with me, he tells a funny story that he was leaving uh, when the corner, when Scotland won the corner, he was on his way out, he'd walked up to the concourse with and with a, a lot of other people that suddenly stopped in their tracks when, when the corner was awarded. Uh, yeah. And just as Scotland were towards winning the corner, Mikey, who was with a couple of his other mates at that point, um, shouted down, because um, I think the slogan for that uh, was that that campaign was keep the faith. I think it was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, and Mikey, Mikey shouted down, keep the faith, keep the faith. That's all we're ever fucking asked to do these days. And then turned around, <laughs> turned around in disgust. <laughs> and just as he was turning back around to continue leaving the stadium, the place obviously just erupted. So he didn't actually see the ball hit the net. Uh, yeah. And I think it just kind of summed up a lot of the the feelings of a lot of people. Um, that was at the stadium that night, but look, we we got the three points. As Ben said, we look back on that with a sigh of relief and with our tongue in cheek rather than embarrassment. Really, absolutely. Yeah. You should have just kept the faith. All you had to do is keep the faith. Well, we'll go back round then for the the final time round the circle. Ben, your third choice. I, I can't believe that it was it was this long ago. Actually, um, look, looking at the date. This goal, incredibly, this goal was closer to McFadden's in France than it was to to Christie's against Serbia. I can't quite believe the time frame wow. between that. Um, but yeah, Ben, uh, tell us your third choice. That's crazy. So yeah, so it was a friendly against England in uh, August 2013, but we knew that it wasn't going to be a friendly. So it was actually the first time they'd met. I think it was 14 years. So... Yeah. You knew it was an important one because you just, it's like the ultimate bragging rights if you could beat England, especially at Wembley. And, you know, we were really high up. I was there with my brother. We were right in the like third tier, I think it was the top tier. Um, but the view was still amazing and you could, you could see everything. For some reason, it felt like the, the view was still really good. Um, obviously, there was the first couple of goals. Uh, were brilliant. Obviously, uh, uh, Morrison's first goal was brilliant. The, the celebrations for that were great. But for me, it was Miller's that really sticks in my mind because we'd gone level and obviously you're starting to worry. And it was just such a classy finish because it kind of came into him at quite a weird height, but he, he managed to control it. And then the obvious thing would have been to just gone onto his right foot and crowded bottom right, but he, he shimmied to the right and then he went left onto his weaker foot. And it was like, oh, God, this this could go anywhere. And he just rifled it past. I think it was Joe Hart. Um, and just the celebrations again, because I think there was almost an element of we weren't really expecting a goal. So to score two and to go ahead again, and we were playing quite well. We genuinely thought at that point that we might actually go on and win it. But I just remember the celebrations for that. They were just like on another level. And I remember I was next to my brother. We were all celebrating. And then... About a minute later, I looked down and he was kind of on his back with his like feet just kind of dangling up in the air above some seats because he was just like totally just been like swamped down the way. It was just unbelievable. And just the noise that we made. And obviously just the England side just going totally silent. And I think for Kenny Miller as well, who a bit like Fletcher had a lot of stick about not scoring enough, about you know, not doing well enough in that lone striker role for Scotland, which is not the easiest role to fulfil. So for him, it felt like a really big moment. It was like, uh, no, I am good enough. And, you know, with that whole stadium watching, he pulled that off. So that's that is, that's definitely in my top three. It's just one of my favourite memories to look back on 
for a standalone goal and just forget about what happened at the end of the game. Lost the defender. Oh, brilliant! Kenny Miller. That's the value of quality. He's certainly not the youngest kid in the team. The movement was excellent. The shot even better. I don't know if this is a Scottish phrase. It probably is a specifically Scottish phrase, but that type of goal as well is the sort of thing that it's that you would say, if insert world class name had scored that. People would yeah. be mental because <laughs> the way that he shimmies is it is incredible. Like it probably is so underappreciated. I think like that movement to get that way to work that yard from stuff against world class opposition, and then to produce that finish like incredible goal. Yeah, because he was he was fairly old at that point, so yeah. you kind of felt like all of his nous, every little thing that he'd picked up, all came into that move, like the control. <laughs> To yeah. send the defender the wrong way and then to slam it past the keeper, it was like all of his years of experience had built up to that perfect little moment. Oh, it's just great. Yeah. yeah the, the, the silencing of the home crowd is, is a real turn on with that one as well. Um, and the, <laughs> the, the, I think the the fact that we'd gone 1 0 up, we'd waited so long for that game, going 1 0 up was good enough. And you're thinking, right, they've equalised now, let's just fucking hang on and get a point out of this. Or not a point, sorry, get a draw out of this uh, and it's still respectable um, but yeah. to then go and take the lead for a second time wow uh, it was just absolute carnage I, I watched that in my living room uh, in Ayrshire with about seven or eight pals from school uh, we just left school the year before I think and th- th- that was one of those it, the sort of thing that uh, people would want to use for marketing in a football advert like Heineken or Domino's or whatever because there was beer all over the couches. The glasses were smashed. Things were being knocked off tables. It was just absolutely carnage. Not one of those diluted nonsense scenes where someone's team scores in the advert and they get up and they kind of, that fake cheer with both their hands just at the side of their heads, kind of, yeah, it's like that, shaking their fists. It was a proper goal scene uh, in the living room and it was just, one of my, again, Ben, um, if you hadn't picked that one, I probably would have added it, it to my list. Speaking of against England, though, should have caveated this at the start of the episode. We agreed that we wouldn't pick Griffiths goals against England yeah. um, because all of us would have that as our best memory. So, yeah, we'll just discount that one and, and accept it's in a league of its own. Yeah, um, Lewis, another class. Uh, it wasn't a Hamden moment. I was about to say another Hamden oh, moment, but oh. another class moment at home for Scotland. Uh, again, in the Euro 2016 qualifiers, your third choice. Yeah, it was at Celtic Park, of course. An entertaining game. Uh, I watched it in a pub in Glasgow. I think I think I might have met you. Were you at the game, Andy? Because I think I met you after this game. Yes, yeah, I went to, I was at the game and then we went to Maggie Mays after it in our girl street. Yeah. We did, we did. I didn't have a ticket, so I watched it with a few of the mate, other boys in, in a pub in town. And uh, I picked this because the result was so, like, it was a, a massive result. We had a good, we beat Re- Republic in both games in that campaign, didn't we? we? We drew in Dublin one one. We drew, we drew, so we yeah. did. Um, and uh, but this this goal is why I picked it. Just the manner in which it happened, and it's obviously Maloney's goal at Celtic Park from the corner. It's just, and again, it's, it's similar to the Miller one. If a bigger team or a world class <laughs> team had done it, people would be going nuts. Um, the, Scott Brown, I don't know where he produced that flick from. Um, but then it's the way, it's the angle as well, the camera shot, and, and Celtic Park such a obviously. 
the stand quite tight, just the crowd behind. The way the ball curls into that far corner, it's just so aesthetically pleasing. And that's like, as well as the result being a big one for us, um, for me, it was just the actual quality of the goal there that really meant a lot. And like, I, I, again, like still to this day, I could watch it over and over and over. And I watched it today again just to, yeah. just to enjoy it. I think that is one of the one of my favourite aftermath goals for Scotland. We've touched on uh, Fletcher scoring against Poland there, uh, and Miller against England. Ben some great celebrations, but the camera is shaking when when Maloney's running away. I, I, it's, there's just a, a tremendous turn of events. The way that he's grabbing his shirt, obviously you can't see what I'm doing, but the way that he's grabbing his shirt up near the collar like that, just letting the emotion pour out of him. The camera is shaking. Charlie Mulgrew kung fu kicks the corner flag uh, as they're all <laughs> running down into the corner. Uh, and I don't know how to to kind of sum this bit up. But as Maloney's running away and everyone's chasing him, I don't know what the goal music was, but there was like a really deep bass note that is kind of yeah. that just kind of comes out of nowhere um, that just fits the ball carefully. I, I have no idea what it is. It's just a really deep yeah. noise. Um, it kind of sounds like it's come from a whale's belly or something like that. It was just <laughs> absolutely phenomenal and fits the moment perfectly. Uh, cataclysmic goal. Um, there, there aren't many better uh, for quality and moment, um, Lewis. You're absolutely spot on. I think there was a, there was a little bit of needle with Ireland as well in that group. There was a little bit of like, well, one of us is going to outqualify the other. So you felt like those games were really important. You felt like they were really big. So to produce yeah. like that sort of world class sort of touch, like layoff finish, it was just like now nah, actually we're the better team. And yeah. I have to say, when you look, when I look back on it, when those games were away from Hampden, for me, that game against Ireland, that was the best atmosphere I had felt at a Scotland game because Celtic Park was full and you were that much closer to the pitch it, and the the singing just seemed to stay in the stadium more. I know obviously you'll have to back Hampden, Lewis, but for me, <laughs> that, that, that made me think, God, you know, maybe we should have these games somewhere else because the atmosphere in Celtic Park that day was incredible. I'd only say it's been bettered by the Griffiths, the second Griffiths free kick. That that to me showed what Hamden can be like um, when yeah. when it hits that sort of high note. But yeah, that it was a it was a really good pick, Lewis, because that that was such a, a superb goal by Maloney. Is it, is it popular? Yeah, sorry, Lewis, go on. Sorry, Ben. I was just going to say exactly <clears throat> what you touched on there. That needle in it as well, and everyone knew knew how important that game was at the time. And there wasn't a lot separating the teams. It was a good game. But for it to be that moment of quality that just decided the game for me is so special as well. Like we just turned up, showed them what to do, and just stuck one away like that. It was, oh, what? yeah, just a brilliant moment. So I'm sure a lot of I'm, I'm sure a lot of people probably tweeted that one in as well, Andy. Because the, the the most popular response was that we've got a few Alex Johnston who chose the Ferguson one. He also had that in his list. Chris Hardy, Grant Campbell. Uh, JCB, the initials JCB also chose that one. Very popular choice among the Scotland fans. And th we needed to win that game to turn a decent start into a good start because we had the defeat in Germany 
although encouraging, ended up with us getting no points. We then uh, beat Georgia 1-0 at Ibrooks, and then we drew away in Poland, which was a good result. So I think four points from three games, considering we've played Germany and Poland away, that's not that bad. Um, and then we had Ireland at home, must win. And, and aye, what a way to do it. And I was at the opposite end of the stadium, actually quite low down, um, kind of where the around the area where the Green Brigade would normally stand for Celtic. Um, and it was hard to tell, actually, at the time what had happened. It all seemed to happen very quickly. Like, we weren't aware that the short corner had been taken until yeah. Maloney was already, like, kind of feeding Scott Brown with the, the pass. And, and before we knew it, it was in the, the back of the net. Again, just uh, a great choice and, and well worthy of being there. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, uh, we'll move on to my third choice now. I was battling it out between two own goals here for the third choice. Um, it was either PK's own goal uh, when Spain went 2-0 up against us and then somehow we brought it back to 2-2 before Durante scored. So PK's own goal to make it 2-2, um, but it was out-muscled by Martin Skirtle's own goal uh, for Slovakia against us at the tail end of the 2018 qualifiers. The, again, I go back to the, the West Stand. PK's and Skirtle's were both scored in front of that uh, bit in the camera angle shows where the North becomes West. Um Amazing scenes uh, that lasted a good 15, 20 minutes after the full-time whistle. Um, when the full-time whistle went in that game, I think that is one of the biggest feelings of relief I felt as a Scotland fan. Um, we, we needed to win that one. We went into that game on 14 points. They were on 15. Um, <clears throat> we knew a win would, would put it into our hands. and uh, They had Malta, I think, to play in the last game. So we knew that Slovakia are going to win their last game. We need to beat them today and then go and take care of Slovenia. If we'd drawn that, it would have been over. Um, we needed to be ahead of them going into the last game. And Chris Martin, a guy, another one who I felt received quite a lot of undue criticism, uh, he did okay for us. Um, he, he was not uh, someone that was going to bag you a goal every game, but he, he scored a couple of important ones, especially in that campaign, he scored a winner against Slovenia. He contributed against Malta as well. Um, but that, even though he didn't score that goal, um, I still think that, that might be his finest moment in a Scotland shirt, um, being there to put Martin Scuttle off anyway uh, and force it and make him force it into his own net. And uh, the scenes when that went in were uh, volcanic, just an, incre an incredible reaction to that goal. Absolutely amazing. Morrison, Griffiths, and he's hopped it on here to Anya. Martin waiting for the cross! I think there's something really satisfying when somebody that's been kind of chastised and kind of ridiculed actually turns up and says, "Now, nah, do you know what? I'm going to make you celebrate." That's kind of <laughs> like a, it's like, it's like the the hero of the film just comes good at the end, and especially <laughs> obviously the timing of that goal. It was just brilliant. It just you knew it was done, and it was like yeah, just it was a. That's again one of the best memories of Hamden. You know, there's been so many sad memories at Hamden. Uh, they probably do outweigh the good ones, but the good ones just stick out, and that one is right up there. We, we mentioned Anya earlier and how vital he was at times. He replaced Keaton Tierney in that game at right back. I think if Anya doesn't come on, we don't score that goal um, because Tierney was afraid to kind of get into the final third on his weak foot. Griffiths did. Yeah unbelievably well to keep possession after it was turned over kind of on the edge of the centre circle and he stuck it into Anya's path 
good ball in and, and Scuttle could do nothing but put it into his own net. So yeah, Anya and Griff deserve tremendous credit for that. Uh, and although the, the finish was scrappy and it wasn't the, the prettiest goal, it was the, the meaning behind it and the scenes. My dad and my brother were in the stadium. I was there again with my mate, uh, Keen and his dad as well. Um, and that was another moment where we thought, we're going to go and beat Slovenia and we're going to, we're going to do what's necessary here to get to the playoffs. But alas, did not happen. That's what I love about Very. this. Like when we're talking about these goals, we've got such an array of, of goals in this. Like if you were to show someone that goal and you remove the atmosphere and everything around it and say, this is one of our favourite Scotland goals, they'd be like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> everything else that comes with it is just what makes this so special. And yeah. that moment was, yeah, obviously huge for, for everything that, that, that we needed in that game. But um, that is a good point about Anya. Actually, I forget that he came on in that game because um, that was a great, moment in delivery, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. We'll move on to the final contribution for the listener before we wrap things up. Only fair to include Gordon Sheak, who isn't involved this evening. Lewis, you've replaced him. Gordon's getting married this week. Congratulations to him. So he's all tied up with uh, with wedding things. Um, but he's still found time to contribute on Twitter. His one of one of the top three on his list is Craig Beatty's late winner against Georgia, which was Alex McLeish's first game back in the qualifiers for Euro 2008. Uh, 88th, 89th minute winner, I think. I, one of those moments where we'd had a really good start to the group and then you're thinking, we're not going to... Well, it was Georgia eventually in the end, but we were thinking, we're not going to blow this here, are we? Surely we're not going to let Georgia leave Hamden with a point. Uh, Chris Boyd has put, had put his ahead and Arvaladze scored for them. Um, but then Craig Beatty um, could be wrong. If it wasn't his debut, it certainly was one of his earliest caps. Anyway, just shin rollers it into the the bottom corner loose uh, from a from a, a ball that was just looping down in the penalty area. Someone had to get on the end of it. He was there. Right place, right time. Um, I know, like you say, at that point you're you're thinking with the clock ticking down. How have we done this? How is it Georgia that are going to kill our hopes here? And it, like you say, it was there. <laughs> Um, but to actually just get over the line and get another box almost tipped, like we've got past Georgia, that's it. doesn't matter how we did it, and it doesn't matter that it was a late winner. If anything, it was better that it was a late winner, but um, a, a scrappy finish and a good pick from, from Gordon, to be fair. Um, it's one that I look back on with, with mixed emotions and memories in that regard because, yeah, it was shouldn't have really been that scary a moment, really, but uh, got over the line. Yeah, Ben, similar to the Liechtenstein thing, it doesn't matter who you score your last-minute winners against. It evokes the same feeling. So. Yeah, and you could see how much it meant to him as well. You could see he was almost like the Scotland fan that got to live everyone's dream of like scoring the late winner. He was like a little kid almost. You could just see the joy, and it was like, yeah, brilliant. I'm, I was just, yeah, just happy for him. And uh, obviously the celebrations were just mental. Yeah, it was, it was a great moment. Uh, we're running out of time here. We, we're not... Um, no, we're, we're too tight to get Zoom Pro, so we're being reminded we've got five minutes left at the top of our screen. <laughs> uh, quick quick few shout-outs before we end the podcast. I know that the the Tartan Army magazine have got some really good features um, this week. I think they've got interviews with Stephen O'Donnell, uh, Rob McLean, Laura, Laura Brannan, Tartan Army foot soldier. They're all speaking about the Euros um, in the Tartan Army magazine, which is going to be available Uh Tartan Scarf, Gordon Shiak, who we just mentioned, is normally on this podcast. He's got some really cool interviews coming out with uh, media representatives and supporters from the countries that we're facing in the group stage in the Euros, just to get their thoughts on us and how 
they feel about facing Scotland. Um, and I know that there's plenty more going on. You can catch up with Alba Matters blog on Twitter as well. I know that the Pure Football guys have uh, have got a lot of content. I think they've done full previews for every nation in the in the Euros, actually, just in case we come up against any of them in the semis or the final, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, so when yeah. do we get to the semis? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so gosh, the Euro starts a week today, our first game, a week on Monday. We've still got a few more things to cram in before then, Lewis. It's been great having you on the podcast. Welcome back anytime, mate. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Long-awaited uh, debut. Uh, hopefully yeah. that's me off the mark and running now. <laughs> yeah, you've done a Kevin Nismet. Good stuff. All right, <laughs> 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 uh, And Ben, uh, good to have you back as well after your wee break last week. Um, it's Gordon's turn for uh, a wee stint on the sidelines with his uh, commitment priorities um, with his fiance. So all the best to Gordon as he gets married this weekend. And yeah, we'll catch up again next week when we've got more to bring to the table. Thanks, Cheers. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Podcast Network.